this morning. I don't have a whole lot of time. But I want to ask you, what are your priorities when it comes to obeying God? What is your priority? We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 37. If you could please stand for the reading of God's word. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to begin in verse 37. The Bible says, They were stoned. They were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore, seeing we also are combassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house this evening. So many places, or this morning, so many places around the world. If we opened up our Bibles, if we tried to, to meet, to discuss the Word of God, we, we would be maybe fearful of the fact that the police or somebody might come in and try to take us away and, or kill us for, for just being Christians. And we have the freedom to not have to worry about doing that, not have to worry about somebody coming in and killing us. And I pray that you help us to not take that for granted. Help us to not just be hearers of your word, but to be doers as well. And I pray as we open up the perfect law of liberty and we look in it and we see the imperfections on our face, we see in our, in our heart something that is wrong, something that we need to take care of, that we will not just be the Christian that looks, sees all that's wrong on our face and walks out, but does something about it, decides to make a change in our lives this morning. We love you. We thank you so much for all you've done. Please be with everything that is said and done. May it be honoring and glorifying to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Now, as, as we've... I, I, I grew up in New Zealand. I was a missionary kid. And uh, so, so I was uh, used to the culture already. And when I brought my my wife back uh, six years ago when we, after we graduated Bible college. Uh, I, br I brought her back there. And one of the things that we did not have, one of the things that is pl very plenteous here in, in America is uh, a place that we, we just got a couple of years ago, something that, that we were very excited about. And we, whenever we, we go up north to any, any meetings or to visit any other fellow missionaries, pastors, or we have teen camps and various things, We'll go up there, and as we travel about five hours north of us, we, we start getting to some of the places up by Auckland that have uh, Dunkin' Donuts, right? Okay? And I don't know if many of you still go to a place that's here, uh, Sugary's, uh, but uh, I remember, remember going to Sugary's Donuts, okay? So I want you to imagine with me, just imagine with me right now. You, you are at Dunkin' Donuts. Maybe you're in the drive-thru. 
You're, you're sitting there, and I want you to think of your favorite, favorite donut, favorite hot drink. Maybe, maybe, you like, uh, maybe you like it just long black, or you like, you like a chai, a latte, or whatever it may be. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a simple guy. I like hot chocolate myself. So I'm going to pull in there. I'm going to pull in there, and I, I'm, I'm going to get myself a nice uh, you know, donut with, with, with a hole in the middle. I don't want any donut with a hole in the middle. You got, you got your, 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 your icing on top, maybe some chocolate with sprinkles. That's the donut I like right there. Okay, so I'm, I'm thinking that. But you imagine whatever donut that you, you're, you're thinking right now, okay, and that, that drink. You make that order. You place that order. You roll up to the, to the, the, the window there. You're waiting. The, la- the lady or the man there, he, they tell you how much it costs. You pay them, and you're waiting, man. You're salivating. You just can't wait to just bite into that donut, hold that hot drink in your hand, feel the nice warmth go down in your throat, okay? And the lady comes up, and she hands you a banana and a chocolate milk, or, or just a glass of milk, maybe. I, I like chocolate milk, so that's what popped in my mind, okay? But she hands you a banana and a glass of milk. You're, you're going to maybe look at her with a little bit of a strange face. I'm holding these things. And you're like, excuse me, uh, I didn't order this. Okay, I ordered a donut with frosting and sprinkles on top. I ordered a hot chocolate. Where is that? And, and, and she, might, she might turn to you and say, sorry, uh, sir, you know, we're customers, our customers are very important to us. We are, we are very concerned about your health. And so this is the healthy, fa- healthy choice for you. Okay, this is the, most, the best option for you. You're, you're going to turn around and say, I don't care. I didn't come here for you to tell me about healthy choices. I came here to get my donut and my hot chocolate. That's what I want. That's what I came for. You know, that's, yeah, amen, right? And, and you're, you're to say that. And here in America and around the world, but here in America, we want results. If I, if I hire somebody to paint my house and I say, here's the color, here's, here's what I want, the certain hues and all that stuff, I don't want to come back after a vacation or whatever, come back and see my house and it's got a rainbow with unicorns and all this stuff all over my house. I'm not going to want that. I paid him to paint my house a certain color and I want results. And the thing is, as many of us, we do that to God. We say, God, I'm, I'm going to be a missionary. I've surrendered to do this. And when I get there, I expect to see results. I expect to see, I, I want to see this many people saved. I want, I want to see this, these many churches planted in a certain amount of years. And it, I'm not saying it's bad to, to, to have a plan. But what happens is, when, like many of the missionaries that have come up already, you get there and it doesn't happen the way you expect. And then you get there and you, you, you're, you're getting discouraged. And you're saying, God, it's not what I thought was going to happen. This is not how I expected. And then what are you going to do? Are you going to continue going? Because many times we can look and we can see all these other missionaries in all these countries and we say, wow, they've got hundreds, 200, 300, 1,000 people attending their church. They're seeing people saved daily on a regular basis. And I'm out door knocking and I'm out begging people to come in and year after year, and I, I'm only seeing one or two or three people saved a year. What am I doing wrong? And we're, we're, we're wanting results. We're expecting results. But God doesn't care about results. God only cares about obedience. He didn't call you to see thousands of people saved. He just called you to go. 
That's what He called you to do. Clovis Chapel, a minister from a century back, he used to tell the story of two paddle boats. They left Memphis about the same time, traveling down the Mississippi to New Orleans. As they traveled side by side, sailors from one vessel made a few remarks about the snail's pace of the other. Words were exchanged, challenges were made, and the race began. Competition became vicious as the two boats roared through the deep south. One boat began falling behind. Not enough fuel. They had plenty of coal for the trip, but not enough for a race. As the boat dropped back, an enterprising young sailor took some of the ship's cargo and tossed it into the oven. When the sailors saw that the supplies burned as well as the coal, they began to fuel their boat with the materials that they had been assigned to transport. They ended up winning the race, but burning their cargo. You see, their, their focus became a skewed. They, they started off with all their cargo. They had been given a mission. And as they were going, they got distracted with a race, a competition. They started to burn up what they were to deliver. And by the time they got to their destination, they had nothing. Nothing. And many times, you are going, God is going to ask you to go somewhere, to do something. And Satan is going to be there. And he's going to try to, he's going to ding, dangle something. He's going to say, hey, you should do this. You should come over here. Look at over here. He's going to try to distract you. And we need to make sure that we remain focused. That we, we press for the prize for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That we keep going. We run like the, like the runner running on the race. Putting every effort, everything that they have just to get to the finish line. Not allowing all the people that are there yelling and cheering for them. Not allowing them to distract them, just staying focused, keeping their eyes on the prize. This morning we're going to look at three reasons to live a faith-driven life rather than a results-driven life. You know, too many people choose to obey God once He proves Himself. Once He gives them a sign. You know, but the Old Testament believers... They did not receive. You know, we see here, we see all, they've been given a promise. They were given a promise. They were given a promise that one day a Messiah would come. One day He would come to deliver them. To deliver them from the bondage, deliver them from sins, that they, from the bondage of sin. And so our, the Old Testament saints, they were looking towards that. And the Bible says here in, in Hebrews chapter 11 that many of them were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. All, all of that for a promise that they had not seen fulfilled. Yet many of us will not go, will not, are not willing to do because we cannot see what lies ahead. We, you, you, you have received this promise. You have received the Son of God. You know, was, God sent His Son to die on the cross. God sent His Son to, to be born of a virgin, to live for 33 and a half years, live a sinless, perfect life. Then to die on the cross, to give His life for you and for me so that we could have the the. the that we can have the hope to spend eternity in heaven. And there are people every single day that you and I pass that don't have that hope. That are, that are just living their life. You know, right now in New Zealand, 
We have, at the age of 15, teenagers are allowed to leave, their, leave school. They're allowed to leave their homes. The government will give them a flat, will give them an allowance every single week. And many, many, many people that do this, that live, live off of the dole, there are, there are people that are 30 years old that are still haven't worked a day in their life. They don't have a purpose. They don't have a hope for the future. And many teenagers are single parent, have single parents. They, they, their mom has five children and each one of them is to different, different fathers. And as a result, we have a, a, a generation that's growing up that don't feel loved, that don't have a hope. And as a result, New Zealand has the highest teenage suicide rate in the world. And there are people all over the world just like that that don't have a hope. You know, and you and I, we have been blessed to sit here in these chairs, to hear the preaching of great men. And sometimes we take that for granted. We hold that hope. And we hide it. We do nothing about it. These Old Testament believers, they didn't do that. They had a promise. They were given a promise. And no matter what, they didn't see that promise fulfilled. They kept going. You know, if, you, if God told you to do something and you never saw the, the, anything fulfilled, would you keep going? Would you keep moving forward? If you didn't see people saved, would you keep going? Would you keep obeying Him? Even though it seems like nothing's going on, like nothing's working, are you going to keep going? You know, they died for a promise that had not seen come true. Would you be willing to give your life for something that has not happened yet? Sometimes God asks us to obey Him, and we don't. The second thing that we see here, first we saw the reason that we need to have a faith-driven life is because of, our, of the Old Testament saints. We are able to see that they... they had a promise that had not yet been fulfilled. Yet they did it anyways. The second reason is God does not follow our plans, but His. God does not follow our plans, but His. God doesn't always fulfill His plans precisely when we want Him to. You know, there, I know many people that have been praying for somebody to get saved for decades. Decades. Praying, God, please save this person. Please save my grandma, my grandpa, my, my husband, my wife, whoever they may be. Please let them see. Let them open their eyes so that they can accept Christ as their personal Savior. And we pray and we pray and we pray. But many Christians around this world, they, they pray for years and years. And then what happens? They stop praying. They give up. They say, well, why should I pray anymore? I don't see God fulfilling this. I don't see this. God said that, you know, if I, if I bring my prayers and petitions before Him, you know, God will hear us. But I don't see anything happening. And we might get discouraged. We might decide, you know what, what's the point in praying anymore? But I can tell you what, I've seen this happen. I've seen somebody that's been praying for a long time to see a person get saved. They eventually, they die. Then the person that they had been praying for comes to their funeral. 
And they end up getting saved because they saw something that that person had. They saw hope. They saw joy, a peace that that person had. They came. They heard the preaching. And they got saved. Now the person that was praying, they never saw the promise fulfilled. But yet that doesn't mean that God wasn't hearing their prayers. That doesn't mean that God didn't have a plan, a purpose for them. God does not always follow our plans. And you know, there might be some people in here that are like my wife. I don't know if my wife is still here. Yes, she is. Okay, she's back there. My wife, Brittany. Uh, there are many, many, many people in here, I know, that are like my wife. Okay? You are a very detailed person. You, you, you like to have a plan. You, like I believe uh, Brother Nathan yesterday, he said he liked to have the, the two-year, the five-year, the ten-year plan. You want to know what's, what's coming. You like to plan it all out. And when it comes time for our trips to go, when we were, when we were getting ready to uh, start traveling across to, to the country, to California here, my wife was like, okay, where are we going to stop? this night? Okay, where, where are we going to have restroom breaks, bathroom breaks? We need to plan all that out. And I'm like, and I'm the per type of person, I, I sit back and I go, don't worry about it. Let's just drive. And when they got to go to the bathroom, they got to go to the bathroom. You know, and we'll stop over and we'll let, let them go to the bathroom. When, when they're hungry, like, we'll, we'll eat. We don't need to plan it all out. You know, many of us, we, we, we turn to God and we, 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 we say, okay, God, here's my plan. Here's what, what I'm going to do. And God, God takes that and he looks at it and he goes, oh, yeah, that's interesting. You know? <laughs> Chucks it out. Because his plan is not, his ways are not our ways. You know? His plans do not, are not, do not follow our plans. And so the thing is, is, if you're like that, if that's the way you are, you just need to be willing to say, you know, God told me to go, I'm going to go. I, I know I want to plan. I want to know how I'm going to get there, what, what, what ways I'm going to go. But just, just trust God. Just obey. What is your priority when it comes to obeying God? Does God need to lay it all out for you? Or if God says go, do you go, all right, God, I'm going. If God says jump, you don't say how high, how long do I stay up there? You just jump. You know? What, you, what, it, what is it your priority? Why are you here? Are you here because somebody forced you to come? I was like that when I first came. I grew up in a mission, in missions home. I grew up as a, as a pastor's kid. You know, people expected certain things of me. So I was like, you know, I'll go to Bible college and I'll, I'll become, I'll, I'll do a youth, I'll be a youth pastor. Right? They get to do all the fun stuff. I don't think they preach much. So, you know, that, that was my, my mindset. I don't think they preach much. They get to do all the fun stuff. Paintballing and go-karts and all the games going along with it. That's what I want to do. So if I got to do something, I'll do that. So I came here and, well, you know, what, what, did God, what did God do? Sorry, there is no major for youth pastor. <laughs> you can minor in youth, but you got to pick. Do you want, are you going to be a, are you going to uh, be do education? Are you going to do music? Are you going to be a pastor, the, uh, a missionary, evangelist? What are you going to do? That was the options. <laughs> so I had to make a choice. It's like, oh, I'll, I'll do missions then. I'll do missions. And God just redirecting. God had his plan. God had his way. And God began to use all those classes, molding me. God uses these missions conference, calling me. I didn't know where God wanted me to go at first. I had, a, I had a, 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 an inkling where I thought God wanted us to go, and that was Vanuatu. 
I thought God wanted us to go to Vanuatu. We took mission trips to Vanuatu, my wife and I. And God just closed that door. He just kept us in New Zealand. And as I was serving in New Zealand, as, we were, as I was assistant pastor, and you know, I was the congregational song leader, and I was the teen, you, the, the teen pastor. I was doing the bu- helping with the bus routes. I was doing all these things. And God just began to, to burden my heart for the people of New Zealand, the Kiwis. God began to burn my heart. And you know, you're going to have a plan. You're going to have a desire. But you need to be willing to let God just direct your path. God does not follow his, God doesn't always follow our plans precisely when we want him to. And he does not fulfill his plans precisely the way we want him to. You know, sometimes people say, God, you know, I'll give to missions if you give me a million dollars. Give me a million dollars, I can give to missions. You know, I'll start tithing if you just let me have a million dollars. I'll start, I'll, I'll start singing up here, you know, for, for, for chapels and stuff. I'll start uh, doing that if you give me a great voice. You know, I'll, I'll start helping out with various things if you, if you help me out. God doesn't work like that. God just wants you to be willing to go, to be willing to serve. I guarantee you, all of you, how many people are on Blue Crew? Raise your hand. Okay, Blue Crew, you, you might enjoy it. You might be some of those strange people that, that enjoy cleaning. Okay, I don't enjoy cleaning. It's not a favorite of mine. And you might, you might get to, you, you have that job, you're Blue Crew, you, you're setting up everything, you're tearing everything down, you're cleaning the toilets and you're vacuuming, you're doing all these things. And you go, and then it comes time for white glove and you're like, I already do this, you know. But anyways, you're, you're, you're cleaning all the time. And, and I guarantee you, you, it, you, you don't. You would rather not be there. You know, you're, you're doing that because you have to earn a, your way to help pay for your college bills. And it's got to be done. You know, you've got to do something. And I know that if you had a better choice, you'd probably do it. And I know that, that you don't think, you, you might not enjoy it, but it's important. I mean, look how clean this place is. Look at those toilets. I guarantee you, if Blue Crew just went, I'm done, and everybody quit, after a while, we'd all notice the toilets are not clean. No, they very quick like that. We we, we won't want to go in there anymore. And and those are important jobs, even though they're lowly jobs. Even though, well, I'm not saying, sorry, I'm not saying they're lowly. (laughs) I'm not saying that, sorry. Even though people think of it as a dirty job, cleaning and stuff. It's not something that we enjoy, but when it comes to ministry, you're going to be doing things that you don't enjoy. Right. <laughs> you're going to be cleaning the toilets because nobody else is there to clean the toilets. You're going to be vacuuming. You're going to be there at, at 10 o'clock Saturday night when you need rest and you go, oh, I forgot to set the church up. I forgot to clean. And you're going to run there. I've been, been, out, been out visiting with somebody or soul winning and doing all these things. And you go, I still haven't cleaned the church. And it's midnight, and you're, you're there scrubbing the toilets. You know? We have all these plans, all these things that we want. And God does not follow them. God does not fulfill them precisely the way we want, when we want it. And we need to make sure that we are willing to just go, to follow, to obey when God says to go. And finally, it helps us focus more on God. 
It helps us focus more on God. When we are focused more on the aspect of obeying out of obedience rather than gain, it changes our perspective on life. Let me, let me say that again. When we are focused more on the aspect of obeying out of obedience rather than gain, it changes our perspective on life. I have, you know, I, I've said before, I've got, I've got two little girls, four-year-old and two-year-old, and I've got a five-year-old son. And I, I, I've, many times I've gone to my four-year-old and I say, Ella, I want you to clean your room. Or I want you to, well, her room's like just this little area, this right, right now. Uh, I want you to clean your bed, make your bed. I want it to be nice and clean and tidy. And one time, I remember I asked her to do this. And, and you know what she said? Will I get a cookie? <laughs> and, and I was like, What? Will I, what? Where did you hear that? I asked you to clean your bed. I didn't, I didn't say clean your bed and I'll give you a cookie. I just said clean your bed. She's like, yeah, but will I get a cookie? And we do that to God. We're just like that to God. God says, I want you to do this. Okay, what will I get? Will I get a cookie? You know, there's these announcements. You come into chapel. And I remember there's times, one time, I, I remember we were getting ready for missions conference and they needed somebody helping setting up flags. And, we, and I got to be up on this catwalk and we hung flags from there for, for missions conference. And they, they had that up there. And, you know, all these things they, they need, they need 20 people to help a, a church member move or, or do this. And, and I know if you're not careful, many times, and I've done it before, you go, you know, if I do that, wonder what recognition I'll get. I, I, wonder, I, know, will they, well, I wonder if I'll get any monetary gain from this. I wonder what people will think if I do this. But God doesn't want you to do those jobs for somebody to notice you. God wants you to do those things because you want to obey, because you want to serve. That's why you're here, to serve, to learn. The, the, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. That's how God's, God works. You know, in, in 1 Kings chapter 17, where I need to finish very quickly. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse, uh, in verse 8. If you could turn there, please. 1 Kings chapter 17. First Kings chapter 17, verse 8, it says this. And the word of the Lord came unto him, this is Elijah, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell, thee, be, dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, and we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, 
Go and do as thou hast said, but make me there, thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not. Neither did the cruise of oil fail. Now what's happened before this is we see Elijah, God gives Elijah a, a, a mission. He says, I want you to go before King Ahab and Queen Jezebel and I want you to tell them that their rain is not, the rain is going to stop. And he could have said, hey, whoa, you know, you, you, you're asking me to do this. I'm going to tell them and they might kill me for this. But he does it anyways. He goes. And he tells them and and they laugh and they think nothing of it. And he leaves and after a while they start to realize, you know, the rain is not coming. This is true. And they start to hunt him down. And, and God tells Elijah, I, I want you to go to the brook Cherith. And he leads them to this place, this nice little place. And he's, he's obeyed God. He's serving. He's, he's served God. And so he's sitting there and he's got, he's got everything he needs. Water, nice refreshing brook passing through. Ravens bringing him food every day. Life was good. Life was sweet for him. He was protected and he didn't have anything to worry about. And one day, as he's serving God, the brook dries up. The ravens stop coming. And he could have gotten angry. He could say, God, I have served you. I have done what you've asked me to do. What are you doing? Why have you taken this away from me? Do you not know I need food? I need my sugary donuts. I need food to live. I need water. Why would you take this away from me? He could have gotten mad, but he didn't. God, he waited and God came to him. God told him the next plan and you heard what just happened. He went and God used him, but that will happen in your life. You know, many of us are, are we, we've heard, we've grown up, maybe many of you have grown up in Christian homes and you've heard of David. And when you think of David, I know when I think of David, one of the things that I think of, I go, David and Goliath. David and Goliath, wow. And I know I've sat there and I go, man, I wish I was like David when it came to Goliath. I wish I would have had the ability at 15 or 16 to be willing to stand up for what was right. Hearing a man that's blaspheming the name of the Lord and I, I said, who will do, who will go, who, who's going to fight this man? And I wish I had the, the ability to get up there and have the courage to just kill this giant. And many of us might think the same way. Wow, I wish I was like David, a man after God's own heart. But we, many of us forget what happened earlier in David's life. What was David just doing before he came here? He was watching sheep. I don't know if many of you have ever watched sheep before. Okay, in New Zealand, we've got about 5 million people. We have 60 million sheep. Okay, 60 million sheep plant squeezed inside of, of the state of Colorado. Okay, imagine that. Okay, we've got sheep everywhere. And if it, you, you can just, anywhere you go, you can watch and you can see some sheep. But sheep are not that exciting. Okay, they sit there, they bah, eat some food, poop, and that's it. Sleep, okay? And, and that, that's their life. And many, many sheep, I don't know if you, you know this, but sheep, when they sleep, they sleep on their side. And if a sheep ever rolls over on its back, that's it. It's done. 
man. It's on his back, and it's like, the, I've fallen, and I can't get up. You know? And that, that, that's, that's how it is. And, and it has no, because of the fat, it has no way of rolling back over. So the shepherd has to walk over there, pick that sheep back up. And, and then the sheep goes, goes along its way, eat some more food, sleep, you know, all that stuff. And then it comes time for sleeping that night. What does he do? On his back again. And the shepherd is, oh my goodness, go over there and keep picking him up. And, and, and sheep are so dumb. They really are. And that's what David was doing. He was sitting there, and that was his job. And his brothers made fun of him. Ah, oh, you're the sheep, why? You know, you, you watch sheep. And that's what he was doing. He was there, he was watching the sheep, but that's where God had him. That was his place. That was his responsibility. And David owned it. He's sitting there. He's, he's playing his harp. He's reading what little tiny scripture he's got, had. He's praying to God. And one day he's sitting there and a lion comes. And many of us might have, might have said, you know what? I've been watching these dumb sheep. They're not important. This is a dumb job. Oh, there's a lion coming. Whoa, okay. Um, you just have that little, little lamb. You just you, you do what, you know, a little buffet, whatever you want. I'll be over here. And we might, be, might have ran away, letting that lion do what he wants. But David's like, you know what? This is my job. This is where God placed me. I'm on Blue Crew, and I'm going to own it. That is going to be the shiniest toilet you have ever seen. People are going to want to eat off that lid because I cleaned it. You know, I'm going to own it. And David, David, he, he sat there and he goes, this is where God placed me and I'm going to do my job. And he puts that stone in that sling and he kills that lion. And when you know what, he, what, what I can just imagine him thinking? Wow, God just helped me kill that lion. Wow, man. And he went back and he's probably singing praises to God and he's watching the sheep. And then a little while later, what happens? A bear comes. And this time, he maybe wasn't as afraid as he was the first time. This time, he's like, bear, oh man, you're mine. Puts that in, you know, God's going to give you, deliver you to me. And then bear dies. And he's like, man, Jehovah Jireh, God helped me kill that bear. And then God, his father comes and he says, David, I want you to deliver this cheese, this bread. I want you to take it to your, to your brothers. He's like, all right. And he gets his little, little cart. And I can just imagine him. He's walking along with a little squeaky wheel. He rolls in. His brothers come up to him. And they're like, hey, David, how's the sheep doing? Phew, you stink, man. You know? And they're making fun of him. They go back to your sheep. And, he, and as his brothers and them are making fun of him, he hears Goliath. And he's like, is anybody going to do anything about that? That man is blaspheming God. Who's going to stand up? Who's going to do this? And he decides, you know what? I've seen God help me. With a lion and the bear, God can help me with Goliath. And that's how he was able to do it. And right now, you're going to have small problems. You're going to have problems where you're, how am I going to pay my school bill? How am I going to pass this test? I've got all these things going on. What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? And if you just rely on God, not, don't do it in your own strength. Rely on God in the small problems. When a giant problem comes, 
When you've got, when you've got something coming, coming in your life and, and you're like, what, how do I deal with this, man? The, 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 you've got a problem in the church and, and you're calling your pastor friend and you're saying, hey, what would you do if this happened? And you're like, oh, I don't know what I'd do with it. You know, these giant problems come. You're going to be able to stand up and, and, and face them head on, trusting and relying on God because you trusted God in the little problems. And right now, all of the problems that you're going in right now, your finances, your, your, how you're going to pay for your fuel to get to work, all these problems. How am I going to, to be willing while I'm here to, to be a part of, oh, I have it right here, be a part of doing faith promise at my church here or maybe at home doing my tithe. How am I going to do this? Trusting God in these little problems God is preparing you for larger problems. You know, if anybody, anybody here ever did, done self-defense stuff, karate and all that stuff, right? Okay, a few people. Okay, so if you come into that, into your class, and you've been learning lots of things from your teacher, and your teacher comes up to you and he goes, hey, we're going to have a sparring, a little time of sparring. Okay. You come up there and you, 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 you are amazing with your upper, upper body. You, know? you can block all this stuff. You know, you know everything here. But you're maybe weak down low. Your teacher might come up to you. And you're like, all right, bring it on, bring it on. And he does this leg, leg swoop. You fall down. Right? Ah, you get up and you're like, wow, okay. All right, come on, let's do this again. Leg swoop, down. And, and you're like, man, come on. You know I'm good with my upper body. Well, just try me out up here. Come on, try me up here. And he's like, all right, all right. <laughs> Leg swoop, <laughs> down again, right? You're going you're gonna, to, you might get mad. You're like, why do you keep going for my weaknesses when I'm good, when I'm, uh, I'm strong up here? I want to show you what I'm like up here. God's the same way. God's going to keep bringing things for, your, for, for down low. Keep giving your legs swoop. <laughs> Bringing you, showing you your weaknesses so that you can build them up. You can strengthen yourself in those weak spots. And God allows problems and trials to come into your life not to harm you, but to help you. And so we see here in Elijah's life that where he went, wherever God led Elijah, God provided. And I wish I, I, wish I had time to give you... Uh, I wanted to give you a little testimony on my life of how God has just provided. Ever since my wife and I surrendered to follow God, God has just been supplying after supplying after supplying for our needs, for our lives, taking care of us, even when we were like, how are we going to do this? God has provided for us. God doesn't measure success by results, but by obedience. And God doesn't use potential but available. Are you going to be available? What is your priorities right now in this room when it comes to obeying God? Do you give God a whole list of reasons why you can't or reasons that you need Him to fulfill before you're willing to go? Or will you just simply obey when God says, Go.